Hey, you're listening to In Doubt. Today on the show, we have Trevin Wax joining us, popular author and blogger for the Gospel Coalition. We'll be getting into Christianity and culture. It is exhausting to try to find yourself and make sure that you are the one totally responsible for your own happiness. It is exhausting to be a millennial in this environment where basically your own satisfaction, happiness, success completely depends on you. You just heard a short clip from Trevin in our conversation, which you'll be hearing in just a moment. For those who don't know, I'm Isaac, the host of In Doubt. For the first time listeners, we are a ministry, In Doubt that is, that's mission is to bring a biblical perspective into the relevant issues of life and faith that young adults all over face every single day. Now we try our best to fulfill this mission by holding a weekly audio program, which you're listening to, uh, called In Doubt, that digs into some of life's tough or just everyday issues, you know? So it's not unusual for us to discuss things like sexual identity, alcohol, dating, relationships, apologetics, worldviews, marijuana, discipleship, church, faith, so on and so forth. Now, again, for those of you listening for the first time, um, you know, you're not, you don't think of me as the expert in all these areas. I'm not. Uh, but I have the great privilege week after week um, having conversations with those who are. So Christian leaders across Canada, across the United States, and even, even the world are brought on the show to chat uh, with me, who is just an ordinary Christian young adult with questions uh, about some of the topics in life and faith. So we've had the honor of talking with people like, you know, apologist Sean McDowell, uh, Tim Challies, the blogger from Ontario, Jeff Vanderstel, pastor from Seattle, Tim Mackey from the Bible Project from Portland, and a host of other people as well. So today, um, I'm really excited to be tackling a topic that specifically in our day, it's of great importance. Mind you, it's important all the time, but it's the topic of how we as Christians engage with culture. So how we go and talk and embrace and eat and smell, everything, how we sort of go and live in culture. How do we engage it as a Christian? You know, this is a topic we come back to time and time again on and out because as young adults, I mean, we are definitely in culture, you know, in some ways more than other generations. And what I mean by that is with the media and technology and entertainment really shaping the way that culture, you know, kind of is going, that's where young adults are. Where young adults understand, like they're just, they, they're brought up with the understanding of technology and media and entertainment. So in some ways, yeah, they're, they're engulfed in this, in this culture. Now, when we think about culture, we also have to think about the stories culture is telling us about who we are and, you know, what we apparently want or what we apparently need. You know, we have to think about the narratives in culture. You see, Culture is a storyteller, uh, culture uh, as a narrator in some sense, telling us stories of how we can find fulfillment and happiness in what it offers. You know, I've actually been thinking about this lately, the idea of what it means to exegete culture, you know, what it means to actually pull out and find and discover the overarching stories that culture tells us. You know, we often think of exegeting as something we do to the Bible and Bible study or, you know, other written works. You know, we draw out from the text the original author's original meaning. But if culture is a storyteller, then think about it. Culture is a text which we, as Christians, ought to be exegeting. You know, we've got to be figuring out the main point behind these stories and then comparing them to the gospel and seeing if they are worthy of our, you know, acceptance or engagement, all those different things. 
Anyways, there's this new book coming out this month called This Is Our Time. In fact, it's already out. Uh, This is our time, Everyday Myths in Light of the Gospel. It's written by today's guest, Trevin Wax, who will be chatting with us about his new book, which, you know, just totally gets into this idea of Christianity in culture. So here's the conversation with Trevin Wax. Well, it's great to be talking this week with Trevin Wax. Trevin is an author, he's a pastor, Bible publisher, and more, I assume. Um, I'm glad to have you with us today, Trevin. Glad to be with you, Isaac. Hey, before we uh, jump into sort of the general topic of just sort of Christianity and culture, being faithful in the midst of culture, um, and also your new book coming out called This Is Our Time, um, that gets into that more detail, uh, why don't you just share with us briefly who you are kind of as an individual, and specifically, um, if, you, if you can, how you responded to Jesus calling you to himself. Yes, so um, my name is Trevin Wax. I am uh, currently serving as the Bible publisher for uh, Rodman and Holman in uh, the Nashville area in Tennessee. Um, I am married to Karina. Um, We have three kids uh, that are 12, 8, and 3. Oh, man. Uh, My wife and I met in, uh, we met in Romania, actually. I did um, a lot of mission work there as a teenager and then moved there and lived there for several years um, in my, uh, when I was uh, doing my undergraduate studies and uh, also, when I was involved in a lot of mission work in uh, villages around the city that I lived in, oh, and wow. so um, we've been married for for a while, have those kids. And for me, as far as my my spiritual journey is concerned, I would say, um, you know, I was blessed uh, to be raised in a Christian family. Hmm. Um, Church was uh, an ever-present reality mm-hmm. uh, from the time I can remember. I had a, I never remember a time when I did not have a hunger for God's word. Wow! Uh, so I was I was very young when I uh, first trusted in Christ in a way that I remembered cognizantly putting faith in Jesus, but then. Uh, I was uh, a little older uh, when I was baptized. My my parents waited and yeah. gave some time for for that to to show fruit. And then, um, I always had a hunger for God's word from the very time I can remember. So, so a, a lot of people I think think of um, testimonies and they think of the the grand before and after experience. Totally. For me, yep. yeah. <laughs> for, for, I, for me, I have to think in terms more of trajectory, like mm. knowing my own sins and struggles and patterns of selfishness that are still in my life, I, I can kind of see where my life might have sure. gone yeah. had God not rescued me so young That's at so such, good. such a young age. Yeah. So. Actually, it's funny you say that. I was just listening to some seminar thing that John Piper was doing, and, and he said he knew a friend that always says, yeah, the Lord saved me from drugs and alcohol when I was three. And I was like, I love that. That's great. Because he knew his trajectory, and he knew he was a sinner, right. you know, depraved, that's and right. the Lord saved him then. So that's an awesome testimony. I think that's powerful. Uh, my wife has a similar one, so that's that's really cool. Um, all right, Trevin, you've written a lot. <laughs> you know, you, you just go onto your blog on the Gospel Coalition site and you just have article after article over various topics. And that's obvious. That's awesome. God obviously has gifted you with a passion to speak up and out and on all these different things. But you also written books. Um, but this year you have uh, a book coming out called This Is Our Time, Everyday Myths in Light of the Gospel uh, is coming out. So let's just start super simply. Like what, what is this title about? If someone were just seeing this on the bookshelf, 
what do you kind of, what, what does this mean? Well, there's a bit of a double meaning there with the title. I think at, at first, um, I, at first I'm, I'm saying this is our time, right? Mm-hmm. So the book is going to offer some snapshots of our current cultural moment in 21st century North America. Mm-hmm. You know, what are the cultural developments, the trends, the things that are um, things that we need to be aware of if we're going to be good missionaries in the culture that God has placed us. Hmm. So first I'm just saying, hey, this is our time. Let's take a good look at the time that we live in, okay. at the culture, not just the where of where we live, but also the when in which hmm. we're living, what these uh, generational trends and things that have happened philosophically and then all throughout um, history and leading up to this moment where there's a lot of things that are affecting our beliefs, our habits, right. our practices, and so the, to start out the book, the, the title is saying, yeah, this is our time. But mm. then there's another aspect of that, too, where I'm emphasizing the hour. This is our time. You know, a lot of times I think Christians, especially when they feel besieged in the culture or they feel yeah. like society, you know, is is um, more anti-Christian than ever before sure. or not, they, they, we begin to lament and mourn. Um, past eras. Yeah. And that nostalgia can actually lead us to not see those eras for what they were, the challenges that were actually there, some of the sins and flaws, even in the Christians that have gone before us. And so yeah. part of what I'm saying is to say, hey, this is our time. Mm. Uh, right now, the curtain is up. We are on the the platform. Yeah. The great cloud of witnesses is surrounding us, cheering us on those yeah. who have been, this is our time, yeah. you know, on the stage or in the race, if you want to switch totally. metaphors. And so part of what I'm saying is that as well. Like, yeah. Let's take a look at culture, but then let's also just realize we have the awesome privilege and calling of being faithful to Christ in this time. That's exciting. Let's, let's get on with the mission. That's so good. And obviously there's that communal aspect. Like this is our, like the church, like this, let's do this. You know, I love that. That's, That's right. right. That's so good. Um, and then obviously everyday myths in light of the gospel. So what is that part about? Yep. So I'm, I'm looking at certain things, assumptions, things that we believe in the world that give shape to our lives. Okay. Mm. So when I talk about myths, I'm not simply talking about falsehoods. I'm using myth in that broader sense of like stories, narratives that, that we uh, are able, that we adopt that actually give shape and meaning and significance to our lives. Mm. And this happens not just with, with Christians. It have, I mean, it's just, we are myth making people. This is part of what we, we do. We, right. we are, um, so when I'm speaking of myths, I'm not simply speaking of things that are untrue. I'm yeah. speaking of things in the world, stories that we believe. And then I'm wanting to show, Hey, what's good and right and beautiful about some of the, the narratives that give shape to how people live in our life. But then yeah. also what, what's wrong with some of these, uh, narratives, how do they fall short of the, the gospel's story of our world. Yeah. And then uh, uh, I, I, I want to bring the gospel to bear on these assumptions that often we don't even question. Right, exactly. And, you know, like, obviously you go you go through the book and you're going to be able to, you, you kind of explain some of those myths. But I don't know, just to give an example to our listeners, what what is an, an example of a myth that maybe a lot of us blindly sort of fall into? That's a, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I, there are what I would say big big myths and then sort of small myths. So okay. a big overarching myth that like a lot of people in our society would abide by without even really questioning or even understanding it yeah. would be something like the myth of progress. Okay. The idea that 
as society goes forward, we advance technologically, we advance scientifically, mm -hmm. and we sort of shed this sort of silly, superstitious elements of religion in the past. Like you go into any university in just any secular university, just about any place in the United States or Canada, yeah. and that is the dominant myth of uh, of these universities, yeah, right? Totally. That this is yeah. the trajectory. So if you're religious or you have this sort of religious space for morality or whatever, that's a throwback, you know, that's mm. back in the stone ages. That's, that's kind of behind. Right. So that is a dominant myth that comes out in all sorts of beliefs and practices in, uh, um, in college campuses across our continent. Um, and that, that would be one of the ones I would say that's, that's like a, a big myth. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's one of the major ways of saying, it. but there are smaller myths that get embedded into our our own um, habits, our own practices, even our entertainment choices, you know, right. consumerism, the way that we consume or that we shop or that we think that uh, the way that we plot the trajectory of our life or we would tell the story of our life is based on, for a lot of people, it's based on, um, am I moving forward in my career? Am I moving forward in my income level? Am I, hmm. you, you know, have I taken a step back this year? See, this is a way of like, understanding your life that has that myth wow. uh, at its heart rather than what the gospel would say, for example, that, you know, our progress or our regress is, 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 is in terms of holiness growing yeah. to become more like Christ, you know, yeah. that we're, we're, we're measuring steps forward and steps back. And that's the story of our life, not income, career and, and whatnot. So totally. just two examples there, one yeah. big myth, one small myth, both of them, deeply affect the way we live. Yeah, and th that's so good. And in, in, in your introduction, I, I highlighted this uh, this sentence because I thought it was kind of scary, but in a good way. Like you ask the question uh, rhetorically, like what if we are living according to the myths in our culture without even questioning them? And when I read that, I was like, oh man, like, yeah, that's true. Like I do want, you know, this progress. And I, I, I'm sort of counting my my identity on that, on that sort of progress. But what I think is interesting is that you you line out, at least in the introduction, you line out the idea that I guess to be a, a faithful Christian involves this, you know, understanding that there's a deeper longing there, um, that when people are, you know, striving after the sort of progression of culture in their own individual lives, there's something underneath there and we need to be able to, uh, you know, understand what that longing is and then you talk about the lie and then obviously the light. And uh, yeah, could you kind of explain that, those three kind of pieces? That would be awesome if you could do that. Yes, very, very important to hold all of those together. So mm -hmm. there, Christians tend to do, a, uh, to fall into one of two traps when it comes to how we engage in culture, how we seek to be on mission for the kingdom of God in this day and age. One, one group immediately sees what's false in the midst of the world. So yeah. I call them lie detector Christians in, okay. in the book, meaning they can expose the lies right away. Yeah. You know, <laughs> this is not true. Line this up to the gospel. I can show you all the places where this myth or this understanding of, right. of the world is false. And we all know those and Christians in our lives. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's easy to think, hey, that's a really discerning Christian. But yeah. I would actually say, no, they're not quite discerning enough. Right. Because it's, it's important not just to be able to point out lies, but also to be able to go to go back to the deeper longings behind mm. the myth. Why does someone, you got to ask the question, why does someone want this to be true? Right. You know, why does some, why do so many people in our world 
want this to be the way that the world works or want this myth, this understanding of consumerism or entertainment or whatever it might be to be true of the world. And that goes back to what's the longing behind that? Yeah. Um, because what, what, what happens is um, in our sinfulness as um, so we're, we're created by God for God, right? Yeah. Our hearts are restless until they find themselves in God, as Augustine said. Yeah. Um, so we have this restlessness for God, but because of sin, it is totally misdirected in all sorts of rebellious and sinful and depraved ways. Mm. So what, what, what it happens when you bring those two truths together, we were created by God for God. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, right? That's what yeah. we were made for. Yeah. And at the same time, we're going into all of these different polluted wells in order to satisfy that thirst. Right. So it's one thing to simply pull back and say, look, that fountain, that well is polluted. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's another thing to also say, hey, I've got the living water you really want. Yeah. You know, we, we actually have the, the, the light of the gospel that deep down inside you really want. And yet you in your uh, misdirected sinful state are, are pursuing this happiness that you want in right. all sorts of wrong ways. And yeah. so uh, that, the, the reason that we need to, when we see the big myths of the world, take into consideration both the longing and the lie is because the gospel does both of those things. It, yeah. it challenges falsehood, exposes lies, but at the same time also fulfills the deeper longings that have led people to believe these lies in the first place. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, you say that Christians who shine the light of the gospel on the myths of our world do not simply say, this is right, this is wrong, but this is better. The gospel tells a better story. That's a quote from your book. So what does that look like practically, though, to be a Christian that's not just, this is right, this is wrong, but to actually be able to live out that truth of this is better, the gospel is better? Oh yeah, I let me give you uh, let me give you an example okay. where I think this come, comes to to play really strong. So, it, um, recent research by uh, the Barner Group, I've got it listed in one of the chapters in the book. Uh, like ninety one percent of North Americans say to find yourself, you look within yourself. Hmm. Um, like eighty something percent of North Americans say that the highest goal of life is enjoying yourself. Wow. In other words, almost everyone is a hedonist. Okay, <laughs> um, and because that's like the definition of hedonism. You know? Sure. And then find what you enjoy the most, and like another eighty something percent, it's like find whatever makes you happy and pursue it. That's wow. how you are happy, right? So, yeah. and then and then you look at the actual spread between that group and then church going Christians like practicing Christians, those yeah. who actually attend church. Okay. And the, the, the spread of percentages in that is not that is not as big as you would expect it to be. It's, okay. it's, it's frightening to wow. see that. So a lot of church going Christians are actually going to church because they think the church is going to help them live in that story, fulfill mm -hmm. that narrative, wow. just find, you know, help them pursue the better version of whatever they want to be. Wow. So you take that understanding of, Hey, this is, this is the world we live in. This is how people are living. This is what they're pursuing with all their might. Yeah. And then you say, okay, well, I can show from scripture that that is wrong. Yeah. Right. Um, that I can say this is right, the gospel is right, and that is wrong. Right. And some preachers, I think, are going to want to just completely, they're going to see those stats and be rightly frightened. Sure. And then they're going to yeah. be like, I'm going to hit this head on, right? Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to totally. show just how wrong this is. But what I would want to say is, though, come around, come alongside and ask, what is the deeper longing there? Hmm. Um, how can you show that the gospel is better? And I think the way you do that in this case, it is exhausting, to try to find yourself and make sure that you are 
the one totally responsible for your own happiness. Mm. It is exhausting to be a millennial in this environment where basically your own satisfaction, happiness, success completely depends on you. Yeah. Finding yourself, looking deep within yourself will make you feel claustrophobic mm. at some point, right? It's totally, yeah. The beautiful thing about the gospel is that you don't look inside for salvation. You look up for salvation. Salvation yeah. that comes from outside of ourselves. It breaks into the, the, the sort of smallness of our own lives. And so we have the opportunity to present the gospel, not just in the way that says, hey, this way you see the world is wrong. Look, the gospel is right. But to show this story is so much better yeah. than the idea that you buster up salvation from within, or yeah. you have to create meaning and significance for yourself, or you have to even trying to discover what makes you happy. Like, how do you even know that? You know, a lot of times, <laughs> exactly. what, people, a lot of times what people think is going to make them happy is not what makes them happy. Sure. At the end of the day. Or how, how do you explain to people that did achieve everything they ever dreamed of and all of their success, and then at the end are like, still, there's got to be something more, you know? Yeah. We have the answer to that. So yeah, to so show that it's better, we need to be able to come alongside and say, hey, this story isn't just untrue. It's not as good as the true story that we have yeah. that comes from, from the gospel. That's so good. Um, Trevin, as we, as we wrap it up here, um, your, your book, uh, just a, a kind of a pointed question. Like, you, obviously, you wrote this book for God's glory. Why are you writing this book right now in our culture? I had my life group at church in mind when I wrote this book. I wanted mm. to, to serve um, ordinary Christians yeah. who are out scattered throughout the world in their different vocations. I, I did not, I wrote this book to be as engaging and interesting as possible to weave stories and examples and illustrations because I, I wanted ordinary, um, uh, uh, faithful Christians who have this longing to be faithful in this time and yet also feel this sense of inadequacy. I mean, just so many people I talk to, they feel disoriented because of the rap rapid changes that we are seeing in society. Yeah. I, I I wanted to equip them. And yeah. so my my goal for this book would be the, the edification of the church, the building up of God's people, yeah. uh, the building up of confidence in the gospel, that we do have the better story, that it, yeah. it, it, it isn't just true, it's also better, helping them to share that more, helping them to see some of the places where we may even be complicit with uh, um, the false worldviews in our society yeah. um, so that we can repent of that, but then yeah. also stand out and shine like stars in the crooked and depraved generation that we are living in, that we will be amazing testimonies to, to God's grace. That's so good. I love that. Uh, we, we obviously can't get into everything, so that's why we, we all need to read your book, I guess. Um, but Trevin, if people want to learn more about you, what you do, or are interested in your book, what, what can they do? What's the best thing they can do? So my website is trevinwax.com, but it's, it's uh, my blog. But if you click that, it'll take you right over to where my blog is hosted on the Gospel Coalition. Cool. Um, that's where I'm writing most regularly. Uh, but, you know, lots of stuff. I've been writing a, quite a bit about the book or on subjects that are talked about in the book the last uh, few weeks, the last couple of months. Awesome. And uh, I hope that some of that will be of interest and of help to, to people as you're 
you're seeking to be to be faithful to Christ in the yeah. fallen world we live in. That's so good. And to our listeners, I'll have all the links uh, to everything that Trevin has just said on the episode podcast page. But anyways, Trevin, again, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to, to chat with me. And I just hope, uh, yeah, that people are encouraged and convicted, that the church is encouraged and convicted uh, by this book and by your writing. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. Again, Trevin's book is called This Is Our Time, Everyday Myths in Light of the Gospel. And like I said in the conversation, all the links to, uh, you know, if you're interested in the book or anything like that, it's all going to be up on the uh, on the website there. So if today's conversation piqued your interest at all, do yourself a favor and pick up that book. Um, I have it, and it's definitely on my reading list for this year. By the way, um, way back in early fall, we had a conversation with Tim Challies about alcohol. And, you know, you should go back and check it out. It's really good. But anyways, if if you go on timchallies dot, I think it's no, it's just Charlie's dot com. Yeah, C H A L L I E S dot com, um, and then search Reading Challenge 2017. He puts out this you know year reading challenge where if you're a beginner reader, you can do the beginner one, or if you're you know medium or advanced or even ex- expert or whatever. Um, I've never been personally a reader until like last year. I started to read like crazy, and I'm really enjoying it. It's a whole opened up you know just different worlds for me, so it's been a lot of fun. But anyway. My default is always reading Christian nonfiction. I just always do that as theology or something like that, Christian nonfiction. Um, But his reading challenge tells you what kinds of books you should read. So, you know, maybe it says, you know, there is one on Christian living, but then there's, you know, one specifically for your gender, uh, one off the New York Times bestseller list, one that has a good cover, a book that, you know, was written by the Puritans, uh, a book that was written in 2017, and so on and so forth. So it really does stretch your mind to actually read things that you wouldn't normally do. So anyways, all that to say, um, I have Trevin Wax's new book, This Is Our Time, and I'm definitely going to be putting it in there and, and uh, reading it for one of my Christian living ones because that's what it is. Um, also, I just want to say everything we do as a ministry at Indoubt, which you know includes our you know our weekly Indoubt program, which again you're listening to right now, uh, our blogs on life and faith, uh, and our filming, the creative projects that we do, our live events, all of it. Um, they're not funded through a profit we somehow make. You know, we're not a paid subscription service, but everything that we do is absolutely free. So our resources are all actually funded by by you, by listeners and investors and partners all around the world. So if you're interested in helping Indoubt financially because, you know, you believe in our mission to engage the tough topics of life and faith with a biblical perspective and you agree with the vision that we're doing it, uh, the way that we're doing it, Uh, I'd invite you to help us financially, but even if you can't do it financially, please pray for us. None of this can happen without the prayers of the saints every single day. So anyways, just head to indoubt.ca to uh, give a donation. If you live in Canada, it's indoubt.ca or indoubt.com if you're from the States and click the donate button and follow the instructions. Hey, and if you didn't know, which if you're a regular listener, you'll have heard this already, but if you're new, then you'll know that just earlier or last month, we released our Jude for the Faith uh, Bible study series. So pretty much last summer, uh, we thought, okay, what book of the Bible can we dig into uh, and make into, you know, a series, like a film series that small groups or just individuals uh, could really dive into. And, you know, there's so much good material on popular books like Ephesians and James and all these different books. So 
we thought, hey, why don't we do it on a book that's often misunderstood and kind of skimmed? And we thought, hey, Jude would be a great idea. So anyways, we split it up into five different sessions and pretty much verse by verse go through and sort of teach it in a kind of a fun way. And there's readings and reflections and questions and everything like that. So if that interests you at all, go to jude.backtothebible.ca to find everything you need. Anyways, that wraps up this week's In Doubt. If you want to connect with us throughout the week, please do. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, If you have a suggestion of a topic or want to hear from a specific guest, please let us know and you can email us at hello at indoubt.com. Well, I'm Isaac and this is In Doubt. Doubt Ministries is the young adult ministry of Back to the Bible Canada, part of the Good News Broadcasting Association of Canada. For more information, head to backtothebible.ca.